Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to a very special edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana, and this is the birthday edition of the podcast. And by birthday, I mean my birthday. Uh, My birthday is April 25th, which is just about when this podcast is dropping. And so today, I want to talk about birthdays. There's, There's some real powerful things that happen for us sort of psychologically and emotionally around birthdays. You know, some people have no issue about their birthdays. They love their birthdays. They look forward to that. Even if they're turning 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, they they love their birthday. They get together with family and friends and celebrate their birthday and they look forward to it. And it's just a great time. And I would say, that's awesome. I, I, I'm loving that you experience your birthday with that kind of joy and ease and, you know, and beauty. But there's a lot of people that don't. There's a lot of people that birthdays are anywhere from, you know, sort of annoying <laughs> to traumatic. And I guess... I want to talk today to that group of people, to the group of people that might struggle with their birthday, you know, with the issue of hitting a certain benchmark, a certain decade, maybe having a certain reaction, right? I I guess I want to just speak to that. I want to honor those feelings. Um, I think they're very, very common for people to be triggered to some degree around turning a certain age. But even though it's very common, I don't know if many people talk about it. I don't know if there's any any wisdom offered, any pointers given to how to help someone who's having a reaction to a birthday. And so that's what I want to do today. Now, you should know that though this podcast is dropping on my birthday, I'm recording it way in advance because since it's my birthday, I'm doing something fun for myself. I'm not sitting in my office recording a podcast, which, of course, I love doing this. But I am, unless the universe changes up my plans and how dare the universe you know, not do exactly what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. But sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> but if all goes to plan, if you're listening to this in or around the day it drops, I am in Dallas, Texas. And I am playing some practice rounds for a tournament that I'm going to play in at the end of May. The end of May is the Senior PGA Championship, and it's being held 
at uh, some golf courses at the PGA headquarters in Frisco, Texas. It's a brand new facility, brand new golf course. No one's ever played there before. And so I am in Dallas on my birthday uh, in advance getting a sneak peek at the golf course. And, you know, if there's something that I love to do, maybe more than anything else in the world, that is playing golf. It's playing golf on a great course, preparing for a major championship. Actually, it's going to be my 10th major championship that I've played in, right? So I'm in Dallas playing golf all by myself. I'm sure there'll be some other guys out there playing in the tournament that I'll hook up with and play with. Um, But I'm enjoying my birthday. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to give you that for just some context of what I'm doing for my birthday. But let's get back to our regularly scheduled program here which is talking about the birthday battle, okay? Let me set the stage here a little bit. Um, There's a number of reasons, a number of feelings that can come up around birthdays, right? For one, sometimes you hit a decade number, like you turn 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, And those can be triggering. And we'll talk a little bit about why. Normally, it's because in your mind, you're reaching a certain age. And in your mind, your life has not turned out so far the way you would want it. Like you're turning 30 and you thought you would be what by now? Or 40 or 50. I thought my life would be here by now. I thought this would be happening by now. And so you're hitting that number and you can interpret it as a sign of failure, a sign of missed opportunity, a kind of a disappointment, that kind of thing, right? It can even, the birthdays can even along those lines be the trigger point for what's kind of called a midlife crisis, Right? What is a midlife crisis? It's kind of a combination of two things. It's either that you've gotten to a certain age, quote, midlife. What is that? I mean, I think that, that number is very arbitrary. <laughs> Technically, I guess it's around 40 because the average length of the human life right now is, I think, around 80, maybe 83 or something. But the midlife crisis is I've gotten to the middle of my life and what have I got to show for it? Or I'm living a life at this midpoint that I don't want. How did I get here? Where did it go wrong? How, how did I end up in this situation? And it can create a kind of a crisis of conscience about who you are, what you're doing in your life, and, and so forth. So combination of a midlife crisis can be that you know, I thought I would be wealthier by now or married by now or have children or be living in a certain place or have reached a certain level of success or advancement in my career and I haven't. You know, it can be that kind of that kind of shock. Or 
you can look back on your life and, and say with kind of a mystery, how did I ever get here? I, I, I've become the very person that I never wanted to be. Okay. So sometimes hitting 40 or 50 or could be 35, it could be any age, you could begin to feel those things. But sometimes the birthday makes you begin to reflect like that and makes you have those kinds of thoughts. And then, you know, you can do very bizarre things. Um, You can make choices that can backfire on you, but you can also sometimes, you know, have a midlife crisis and make positive change, right? The midlife crisis thing, you know, we always talk about the negative part of that, right? It's the, the guy who, is getting older and he's afraid of death. He's afraid of getting older. So he dumps his wife and his family and, you know, gets the chick with the fake boobs who's 20 years younger than him and buys a little red Corvette, you know, and acts like he's, you know, 25 again or something. So that is one way, you know, a midlife crisis can go. But other times a midlife crisis can be a very positive thing in the sense of, you can get really clear, like I've been doing this with my life. And you know what? I don't, I got one life to live. I'm not doing it this way. And so it can lead to very positive changes. It can kind of give you a, an impetus, a, a motivation to say enough. I, I want to go in a direction that I've always wanted to go. I'm, I'm going to try something I've always wanted to do. I'm going to start a business or I'm going to travel or you know, whatever it is. So these, these birthdays can ignite positive changes or they can ignite sort of negative, overwhelming anxiety, depression, disappointment that can lead to some bad decisions. Okay? Another aspect of age that can be very triggering. And this is exclusively for, for women at childbearing ages that, you know, as they get older, as they near 40 years old, right? It's called the biological clock, right? The clock is ticking. And so there's lots of triggers that happen, lots of fears, lots of disappointment, lots of anxiety for for many women, when they turn 35, 36, 37, and they're not married and they want to be married and they want to have children and hitting 40, 41, 42. Um, so every, you know, a birthday for a 40-year-old single woman who wants to be married and have children probably isn't a birthday that if she's honest, she's celebrating, <laughs> right? If she's honest, she's like, I'm not celebrating this, right? Because... I want my life to be different and and my body is going to stop being of childbearing age here and that scares me and worries me and even angers me. Now, other people, when they hit the older benchmarks, 50 or 55, I remember, so I sort of remember when I became a senior, Right? Like in the golf world, you are a senior golfer if you're over 50, right? Some places you can get the senior discount in restaurants. <laughs> I remember being in a restaurant 
and and my wife, you know, she she just poked me. She's like, "Ooh, you get the senior discount now, right?" Because she's a few years older than me, so she loves my birthday. Okay, I just I just give you the truth. I'm gonna out here. I'm just gonna out her right here on the podcast. She doesn't like her birthdays because she doesn't like getting older and all that 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 means for her. But she loves my birthday. Because like in her mind, I'm catching up to her. <laughs> in her mind, her birthdays don't count. But in, in, in you know, for me, whenever I have a birthday, ooh, see, I'm not older than you anymore, or, or the gap is closing. So she loves, you know, when I have a birthday, and you know, when I was reaching that senior age, she would poke me. Oh, look, you're senior. You can get the senior ticket at the movies or you can get the senior discount at a restaurant or something like that. So, uh, you know, sometimes I don't like that woman very much, but <laughs> but it really does bring up issues when we get older, you know, hitting 60, hitting 70, all kinds of feelings can come up. But there's another dimension to this, and that is very often we've had experiences in our life and in our families where there might have been a death in the family, a sister passed, like an older sister, an older brother, or a parent, or a favorite grandparent that passes away. And when you get to that age, it can really trigger something. I remember talking with someone, not a client, but talking with someone that said that their their mother, maybe it was their father, committed suicide in their early 50s and they were turning that age this year. They, they were now the age their father was when they committed suicide. And this was bringing up all kinds of feelings, outliving your parents, fear of repeating your parents' problems, right? So these birthdays, they are way more psychological and emotional than we give them credit for. And I think because we don't talk about this openly, we make jokes about it maybe, um, but we don't have real honest conversations about our feelings for whatever the reason, my life has hit a certain age and I'm, I've not achieved what I thought, or I'm reaching childbearing age and I don't have a child, or there's a, a midlife crisis, I'm living somebody else's life and like, what the hell am I doing? Or I'm of a certain age when my, my parent died and that brings up things, or I'm just turning 60 or 70 or 80 and I know that I'm on the back nine of my life. I might, I, I might even feel like I'm on the last couple of holes of my life, meaning the fear of death. Right? Anybody who says they're not afraid of death is either enlightened or lying. The ego does not like the idea of death. It doesn't like it to die. It doesn't. The ego doesn't want to die spiritually, and the sense of me not existing anymore uh, is terrifying. And I believe the fear of death has given rise 
in my opinion, as a good chance anyway. I don't know, but the fear of death has given rise to religion. The belief in an afterlife is sort of a way to kind of calm the ego down. Look, you're not going to die, really. You won't be here, but you go on. Now, I don't know what's after death. If anybody tells you they know what happens after death, they are lying to you, okay? Nobody knows what happens after death. Yes, there have been some people who have had the near-death experience and come back and they see things, they hear things. I'm not disputing any of that. But there's no one that's been dead for a couple of years and comes back and says, okay, here's what's going on. So, so nobody really knows. And so therefore, the unknown is scary. And so as we get older, religious or not, we get older and we think like, wow, I mean, the best part of my life is behind me. Certainly the most years of my life are way behind me. And so I, I just want to speak to this today. So I, I don't know what category you're in. Maybe you're in the category where you just love your birthday and you feel nothing but positive energy and joy at celebrating your appearance here on earth. Great. But I don't know if you're a person, you know, that is sort of filled with regret about how their life has turned out so far, or if your biological clock is ticking, or if you're having a midlife crisis, waking up one morning, thinking, how did I get here? Whose life am I living? This is not the way I want to be in the world. Or if you're hitting a certain age, and it's bringing up memories of deceased family members and other dynamics like that, or if it's just kind of makes you feel like I'm I'm over the hill and I'm, you know, moving toward death. So I, I don't know what category you're in. But I want to offer a, a couple of things that I think can really help no matter what situation you're experiencing. Okay? These are just general principles that we can practice when we're triggered, period. We're talking about right now feeling sort of triggered by birthdays, right? But being triggered is being triggered. I mean, it happens for the same reasons. And no matter why you're triggered or what you're triggered about, the basic response to being triggered is the same. So it doesn't matter if you're triggered by someone criticizing you or you're triggered by turning 63 and you feel like, man, my life has not turned out the way I want it to. Something like that doesn't really matter because it's kind of all the same. And in general, you deal with all triggers basically the same. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to give you some pointers to help you with the birthday battle. And let's begin with the first and the most primary thing. Something that I've said many times on this podcast, that your number one enemy in life, the thing that causes you the, the, the most pain, the most suffering, the thing in your life that is responsible for your misery, including any birthday battle you're having, is that damn voice in your head. 
It's the mind. Remember Michael Singer, I've talked about this, has famously said, all problems are caused by mind. No exceptions. So no exceptions means birthdays, midlife crises, biological clock ticking. The problem is caused by your mind. So if you're having a birthday battle, you've got to really pay attention to what your mind is saying. Because it's that voice in your head that is making you depressed or discouraged or angry or resentful or scared. Because you're hitting a certain age and your mind is interpreting it. Well, you're 40 and you're single and you know what the stats are, how hard it is to find a partner after 40. So you're fucked. Okay? If you hear that in your head and if you believe that, you're going to be a mess. Or you're 45 and your life hasn't amounted to anything. That's a thought, right? Just that right there is a thought. The idea that your life should be a certain way. Even the ideas you've had your whole life that you wanted to achieve certain things by certain dates and you know the plans that you had for yourself. That's what I'm talking about. That's thought. That's the mind. You just had in your mind that when you were 30 or 40 or 50, your life would be X, Y, and Z. And then it's not. And your suffering is not because your life isn't that way. It's because you think it should be that way. And you're not questioning your thoughts. You're not seeing that they're made up. They're not seeing that they are in, what are they? They are in opposition to reality. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have an idea of where you want to be when you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70. I don't even know if you could help it by having a general vision for what you think your life might be like and what you would like to happen. I, I don't know if you could live without, without your mind almost doing that on its own. But you can begin to notice that your suffering is caused because you get attached to that. You start to live in the should of it. You start to believe that voice in your head. And so when you really do believe that, no, I really should be X, Y, or Z by the time I'm 50, I should have this amount in the bank. I should have these many kids. I should, I mean, whatever, I should be living in this kind of house or I should have climbed the corporate ladder up here by then. If, if you don't challenge that, if you don't see that that's just the thought, and if you believe it, well, then you're, you're going to really live in that depressing gap between what you think you wanted and what you think you should have been able to achieve and where you actually are. This brings me back to a podcast I did a pretty long time ago. I think it was in the uh, the quantum quotes 
uh, a series of podcasts I did. I think the first one was called um, the quantum quote was the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Right. But the opposite of that is true, too. The great way or living a great life is very difficult for those who have preferences. And the reason for that is because, yes, you might have preferences, but life has a way of doing things and unfolding that uh, don't take your preferences into account, shall we say, (laughs) right? So anytime that you are living in a fantasy, which means anytime you're living in your head, anytime you're holding on to your hopes and your dreams and what you think should happen and what you want to happen, anytime you're living in your preferences, anytime that differs from reality, you are going to have a big old birthday battle. Right? Anytime there's a gap between what your mind says life should be and where you should be and what is actually happening, that gap, the size of that gap, is going to determine the size of your suffering. Right? If you're not even close, let's say when you turn 50, you wanted to have $5 million in the bank. Okay? And now you're turning 50 and you just checked with your financial advisor. You got 4 million. Damn. Right? Ah, man, that's just really not achieving my goals. Didn't get where I wanted to go. But what if there's only five grand in your bank? You're way short of 5 million. (laughs) Now you're going to be near suicidal. Oh, my life is nothing. I'm a complete failure. Okay? Which brings up a great issue. Like, what is failure? I mean, really? Isn't failure the difference between what you think should happen and what actually does? Well, I, I think I should be married and have children uh, You know, by the time I'm 35. It's something I always wanted. I've, I've been dreaming of that since I've been a little girl. And, and now I'm 35 and I'm not even dating anyone, much less at the point where I could have a baby with someone, I'm a failure. Right? To me, failure is a completely, I mean, think about this now. Failure is a completely arbitrary thing. There's no objective failure. There's only what you think it should be and what it is. And then you compare yourself and your hopes and your dreams to reality and either you measure up or you don't. So when you live in your head, you end up either becoming very prideful. Oh man, I, I was hoping by the time I turned 50, I'd have 5 million. I got 25 million. Oh, I'm so much better than anybody else. Or I've only got 5,000. I'm a loser. I'm the worst guy in the world. You know, I've, I've, my life has amounted to nothing, right? So we have this tendency to not live reality, to not live our lives. We live in our heads. We really do. 
We live in our heads. We live in our hopes and our dreams. And I'm not saying to have a hope and a dream is is bad necessarily, but you have to know their hopes and dreams. And if you want to be at peace, you have to recognize that I hold on to them very loosely. And I'm not attaching any meaning to them. Okay, when I'm 50, I'd like to be X, Y, or Z, or 60. Great. Gets you some motivation, keeps you committed, keeps you focused on doing something, whatever it is. You know, I want to write a book by the time I'm 60. Great. That can be fantastic. But you hold it very loosely, and you also recognize that you don't attach any meaning to it. Like if I don't reach that goal by 50 or 60, that means I'm a what? Not good enough, a failure. That means my life hasn't amounted to anything. That means I've let my parents down. I don't know, right? But you understand how when you think your life should be a certain way and then it's not, That's not really the issue. It's kind of how you interpret it. It's what you make it mean. That, And then you take it personally. That's what taking something personally actually means. It means you're making something mean something about you. I'm I'm not a success. I'm a failure. Nobody loves me. Or other ways, you know, I'm never going to be a success. I'm never going to meet someone. I'm turning 40. I'm still single. I'm never going to meet someone. I'm turning 50 and I don't have any money in the bank. I'm going to be broke forever. Right? So the first thing that we have to really look at with birthdays is what we're telling ourselves in our head. We're telling ourselves stories. We're telling us about what should be and what shouldn't be and what's right and what's wrong and the way life was supposed to go and and all of that. If you see that 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 neurotic nut job that lives in your head and is talking to you, <laughs> that voice in your head, if you see that that fucker is your enemy, because all it, it it's just talking in fantasy land, it's just making things up. And if you believe it, if you listen to it, well, then your body reacts because the body doesn't know the difference between a thought and a story and an imagination. It doesn't know the difference between that and an actual threat. If you imagine a bear is chasing you and then you go in the woods and a bear is actually chasing you, your body reacts the same way. It doesn't know the difference between an imagined threat, and an actual threat. So you begin to see, like Michael Singer says in his book, The Untethered Soul, I think it's chapter two, he calls it the inner roommate. <laughs> he talks about like, do you know you're, you're, that you have a roommate and it lives inside your head? <laughs> and this inner roommate never shuts up and is making shit up and judging and creating stories and interpreting everybody's behavior and 
seeing different things and telling you what it means about you and, you know, what's going to happen in the future and why people are doing this and, right, you've, you've got this completely neurotic, negative nut job living in your head. And so it's not the birthday that you're battling. That's what you're battling. It's the mind. Now, here's the, the sickest part. You can't stop your mind from yapping. You can't get rid of the inner roommate. Right? You might have had a roommate in college or you might have even been living with someone or even married to someone and you kicked their ass out. <laughs> okay, This inner roommate, you can't kick them out and you can't shut them up. Even if you've been a meditator for 50 years, that voice is still going to talk in there. You can't quiet the mind. Anybody who tells you that the goal is to quiet your mind is lying to you or they're just trying to get you to buy something that they're selling. Okay, You can't quiet the mind. What you can do is you can ignore it. You got the inner roommate and he's going to follow you around all over your house. He's going to follow you everywhere you go and it's going to talk to you and talk to you and talk to you and talk to you when there's no reason, there's no purpose. You can have a conversation with a coworker and walk away back to your office and if you haven't noticed, you're still talking to that person in your head. Why? I just talked to them. Why am I still talking to them even though they're not here? You break up with someone. When I, when my ex-fiance broke up with me, I was talking to her for at least a year, almost every minute of the entire day. And I never saw her. <laughs> but in my head, I'm talking to her about this and about that and what I really want to say to you and what I should have said to you and what you would say to me. And right, like, that's crazy. And I'm just telling you, you can't shut it off like you could shut off a faucet. But you can ignore it. You, you can just ignore the noise. Or you can actually engage with the voice and challenge the truthfulness of what it's telling you. And what you will find, if you do inquiry, you hear that voice in your head telling you something that, you know, by 50, you know, any... Any reasonable standard of success as a man, you should be like this by the time you're 50. You can question that. You can ignore it and just say, that's just made up nonsense. There, there, there is no rules. That, well, what do you, like, shut up, I'm not listening to you. Or you can say, oh, yeah, okay, I, I hear that. I'm noticing I'm having the thought that, there's a criteria for 50-year-olds to determine whether they're, six, whether they're successful or not. All right. Is it true? Like, can I actually take my definition of what success at 50 is or 30 or 70? Is it true that by 50, I should have this much money and be a success? Do I know anybody else in the world that doesn't have that much money, but they seem very successful and happy? Could it be possible that the opposite of what that inner roommate is telling me could be just as true or truer? Well, by 30, I thought I should be married and have children, and so my life isn't going anywhere. This is horrible. 
is it possible that the opposite of that is true? That maybe you're exactly where you're supposed to be. That nothing is wrong. You see, because the mind is just making things up, and that's the insight, you have to understand that your mind is just filling in the blanks. It's just making up stories. And since it's making up stories, well, then you can make up the opposite, and it could be just as true, because both are made up. Right, you're you're living in the what ifs, you're living in the shoulds, you're living in the future, and you're saying, you know, this should be that way or that should be that way. And your mind could say, Well, it could be the opposite could be true. Maybe it shouldn't be that way. Maybe it should be this way. Right? So you begin to have this discipline about knowing that you have an enemy that lives in your head. And it's talking to you and making judgments and making things up and making stories that if you listen to it, you are going to be a nightmare of a person. You're going to cause a lot of drama in your life. You're going to make bad decisions. You're probably going to suffer from anxiety and depression. So a conscious person really recognizes that that mind is a terrible thing to listen to. Remember that old commercial A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Any conscious person would tell you, no, a mind is a terrible thing to listen to. You have to learn to question your thoughts. Question your beliefs and your judgments and your opinions and your shoulds. Okay, that's the first thing. Anytime you're triggered by anything, you have thoughts about it. Well, that was disrespectful. Really? Could the opposite be true? They should never have said that to me. Hmm, Could the opposite of that be true? Maybe that's the only thing they know how to say. Right? Anytime you're triggered, you are believing something that's not true. Byron Katie said that. Anytime you're suffering, anytime you're in some emotional turmoil, anytime you're triggered, reactive, You are believing something that's not true. So that's the first thing. If you want to deal with birthday triggers or any kind of triggers, you got to pay attention to what that mind is talking about. Then the second thing is you have to deal with the emotions. Right? The birthdays bring up emotions. They bring up feelings. And And the best way I can simplify this to make it really easy and understandable is how do you feel about your emotions that are coming up around your birthday? Because the emotions are there, right? They're reality. I notice I'm feeling scared, angry, disappointed, whatever it is, right? It's already happening. It's like walking outside. The sun's already shining. It's already 95 degrees outside. That's just unarguable. It's there, right? You're coming towards your 30th or your 60th birthday and you're, you're, you're dreading it. You're having all these thoughts of, about my life and where it's going or how much time left or what's the point of it all and all that. So the thoughts are there and then the feelings, they're, they're already there. So I'm not talking about how to not have the feelings. 
actually you stop the feelings by not believing the thoughts. Right? If you don't think, you know, I'm 40, I'm single, I've never met someone, and I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to meet someone. Okay? That thought will make you anxious and depressed. If you don't want to feel anxious and depressed, you have to, you have to challenge that thought. Like, how do you know what the future holds? Could the opposite by true be true that you will meet the love of your life after 40? Is there anybody else in the world that's ever done that? Well, you're, you're listening to one right now. Millions and millions of people have met the love of their lives after 40. So don't tell me you know that you're going to die alone. You don't know. But see, we don't talk to ourselves that way. We don't talk to that voice in the head and say, shut up. Like, what do you know? Like, that's a ridiculous thing. But if we don't do that, then we have all these emotions, right? So if you don't want to have the emotions, challenge the thoughts because the thought produces the emotion. Now, let's just say that you haven't done that and the emotion's there. It's already there. Now, what do you do with it? What I'm asking you is, how do you feel about your feelings? There's only two ways. You either are accepting them and sort of embracing them and welcoming them, like it's okay that I feel this way, or you're resisting them. You don't like them. You want them to go away. You don't want to have them. Those are the only two choices about any feeling. In fact, those are the only two choices about anything you're experiencing. You're either accepting reality and sort of being with it and saying, all right, this is what's here. Right? Go outside, it's 95 degrees and humid. Right? No matter how you feel about that, it's still 95 degrees and humid. You could walk out there and say, all right, I accept this. Right? I guess I'm going to dress appropriately. I guess I'm going to sweat like a dog. Um, it's okay. It's 95. I'm okay with that. Or you can walk outside and be like, this is ridiculous. It's so hot. What, what the hell? I don't want to live here. Let's get out of here. This is awful. Right? So you can be fighting or resisting or not liking reality. Or you can be accepting and sort of embracing and welcoming it. I mean... Maybe you wouldn't choose it to be that way, but you don't get to choose the weather and you don't get to choose how your life unfolds. Maybe to a small degree. Because if you, if you could choose how your life unfolds, then you would never have a problem with a birthday because you would be married by 30 with kids. You would have $5 million at 50. You, you, you would, you, if you could choose it all, and if, if you were God... Right? I mean, God, God doesn't have a problem on his birthday because God can do whatever he wants. <laughs> right? So these emotions are just like any other experience, any other encounter with reality. How do we feel about what's here now? Am I making a fist at it? Or am I opening my arms saying, okay, I surrender. I'm here. I'm present. It's okay that life is the way it is. So I'm asking when you have the feelings 
about your birthday, whether it's feelings of fear and sadness because you're 37, never been married, and you want a child and a family, or you're 49 and three quarters, you know, and you're you're in a relationship that you really don't like, or you're in a career that you really don't like, and you're angry and frustrated and feeling hopeless. How do I start over at this age? What do I what do I do? This is I'm trapped. How do you feel about that? How do you feel towards yourself and your own feelings? It almost sounds ridiculous. But most of us just live in resistance to our reality, to our inner reality. We we have whatever problem there is, but then we make another problem because we don't like how we feel. So we, we try to push away or avoid feelings of anxiety or depression, disappointment, anger. We medicate them. We distract ourselves from them. We do all kinds of things to not feel how we feel. Aren't, aren't most people sort of overweight because they, they emotionally eat? Not 100%. But aren't most people probably unhealthy physically because they don't know how to handle their emotions? They use food to comfort or to distract. Why? Because they, they don't know how to be with the feelings in a, in a, in a welcoming kind of way. So those are the two things that I'm offering to you that if, if, if your birthday is a battle that you need, to, you need to be more conscious on how you handle your thoughts and your feelings. You handle your thoughts by questioning them or ignoring them. Just don't listen. Just like Imagine that voice in your head as someone who's on the outside of your body following you around, and you're just going to ignore them. You can just talk all day long if you want to. I'm not listening. Or if the thoughts in your head seem to make a lot of sense, then you might need to actually question them. Okay, is it true? Could the opposite be true? Who would I be if I didn't have that thought? Right? So with thoughts... You either want to don't listen or challenge their apparent truthfulness. With emotions, it's a big subject, but I'm just asking you, can you be compassionate towards yourself for having these feelings? Like you make perfect sense if you're 37 and you're a woman and you want a family and you're not dating anyone. It makes perfect sense that you're depressed and you're scared. Don't make it worse by kind of being upset for being upset. It's like put your arms around yourself and say, I get you. Really, I get you. You make sense. Right? So it's sort of like loving your feelings rather than hating them and pushing them away or even judging yourself or even having them. Oh, I'm too spiritual to be struggling with this. I've been on this path for a couple decades and 
I'm worried about this? Why? Maybe I've made no progress in my spiritual journey. Right? So you, you turn on yourself and you judge yourself for your feelings. Instead of just looking at yourself saying, you make perfect sense to me. Yeah, you're turning 70 and it's freaking you out. You're not alone. Relax. What can you learn? Is there any change to make? Is there anything to be grateful for? Is there any response needed at all? Right? So you give yourself a little space with your feelings by not trying to get rid of them or push them away or judge yourself for having them. You just really understand yourself. And we all love to get that from somebody around us. And it's, I've you know, talked to some of my best friends when I've been challenged by something. And I remember my, my best friend, his name is Jim. And there's been a number of occasions where I'll just be venting about something or sharing something that I'm worried about or frustrated about. And he said, he said Roy, Ben, you make perfect sense to me. And it's just like, oh, I just take a deep breath. It's like, okay, so I'm not a freak, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with me that I feel this way. You know, and it's just, it's so nice to someone say, yeah, no, dude, you make sense. It, it doesn't mean I'm not suffering. It doesn't mean maybe that I'm, I'm believing something that's not true, but all the feelings I have, oh, it makes sense, man. It's okay. Relax. Have some compassion towards yourself. Because we certainly can't work through the feelings and make appropriate changes, if there are any changes to be made, when we're so upset. Right? There's... An old verse in the Tao that I mentioned in my book, my newest book, Relationship Boot Camp, at the beginning of chapter five. I don't have it memorized. I need to memorize it. But it says something like this. Do you have patience to wait until the mud settles and the water is clear? Do you have the patience to, I think it's, to stop until the right action arises by itself. Right? So what that's pointing to is you get stirred up, right? You get feelings around these, these birthdays and these thoughts and these emotions and the mud is all stirred up and the water's not clear. Right? And very often we start taking action, start making changes. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm going to change this relationship. I'm getting divorced. I'm going to quit my job from that place of inner chaos and the Tao which was written like 5,000 years ago just says do you, do you have the patience to wait until the mud settles and the water is clear because if you can the right action will arise by itself you don't have to think of it it's not up to you to, you're not the doer the chooser the decider you don't even have to think of the right action it will arise by itself because you can see in the water clearly and you'll just know what to do. You'll, you'll know if there is a response to make. Because very often when we're triggered around birthdays, there isn't anything to do. But sometimes there might be. You know, I, I, maybe I do need to quit my job. Maybe this relationship is not serving me. Right? But if we 
if we make these big changes, if we have these midlife crises from our reactivity, from the anger, the disappointment, the, uh, the anxiety, the depression, if we act from that kind of triggered state, almost every time you're going to make it worse. So the Tao says, all right, you're all stirred up, man. You're all stirred up. Don't do anything. Do you have the patience to just wait and let it all settle to the bottom? And then in that place, you won't even have to figure anything out. The right action will arise all by itself. All right. I hope that helps with the birthday battle. Uh, I hope that speaks to you um, for any kind of trigger, any kind of reactivity that you're having. It's always stemming from thoughts and emotions. And so, yeah, I just I hope that points you in a, a better direction. And at a minimum, I, I hope you hear that you're not alone, that whatever you're feeling, whatever birthday battle you might have, you know, you are among, you're among humanity, that we all deal with these things and it's okay. And there is hope and there is direction. And so I want to close by inviting you to consider working with me. Perhaps there are some big changes for you to make. That maybe the birthday is bringing up something that you should address and deal with and maybe you need someone to walk alongside of you to ask questions to probe to help you find your clarity to help you find your your own inner wisdom kind of find your own north star to help you let the mud settle so the right action sort of just arises within you if you need support in that man that's That's what I'm here for. So you can reach me at Roy at coachingwithroy.com. My cell phone number is 407-687-3387. So until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.